and draw you out a chivalry and looks the holy veil and makes the belly maiden sing the bell that had another tail and let the scientist up as if the blazing dragon fly and makes the jester mint his wit his tricks in order to try. With angry din, and would admit it be no gossip wind was stuck within. We have no authority. No study for Tilani safe and shake the willow's bell. What a hell is on the pit or find the collar there. We hope the wisps get in the dell, the owl roots on the tree. They hold the nightly bitter well, and so the wild will be. Strike we up the rousing hits and pass the people round while every head like Mary is moving toward us all. Come draw we round a cheerful ring, an adaptation of an Irish folk tune. Music by Ludwig van Beethoven, written probably around 1813 or possibly 1812. The exact date isn't totally clear. Words written by the Scottish poet Joanna Bailey, probably around 1814. What? An Irish folk tune with words by a Scottish poet that were written after the music had been composed? What about the words of the original folk tune? Well, Beethoven certainly never saw them, and most likely in this particular case he didn't even know the title of the original folk tune. He may, or may not, have been told in very general terms by the person who commissioned his setting what the subject of the original folk tune was about, and just possibly what the gist, not the words, but the idea of the text that was going to be written was. And that's because the man who commissioned him was also commissioning celebrated poets of the time to write new texts to the new adaptations of the old folk songs. It's all that strange. And it's a very remarkable story as to how Beethoven got to compose 63 settings of Irish folk tunes and almost as many Scottish and Welsh ones too and turned out some very striking results. of the new folk song arrangements was George Thompson. He was a collector of folk tunes and he was a very successful businessman. 
around 1792, he hatched an idea to approach leading composers of the day to write adaptations of old British folk tunes, and then to approach leading poets of the day to write new words to them in an appropriate idiom and with appropriate texts pertaining to the elements of the particular country's history, society, or in some cases, folklore. For the music, he began with several famous composers, and notably Joseph Haydn. And for the words, he began with several famous poets, and notably Robert Burns. The sales potential was very dynamic. Thompson foresaw a large market in the salons and the drawing rooms of fashionable homes, where owners would proudly possess new music and new words written in a popular and easy-to-perform style by leading luminaries of the day. Beethoven wasn't yet a big name, so he wasn't approached yet. But when Haydn became too unwell to continue, which was after about 1803, Thompson made his first approach to Beethoven, actually initially to write some sonatas based on folk tunes, and they never materialised. In due course, and only after Beethoven had driven a very hard financial bargain for himself, it was agreed that he would start to compose arrangements for folk songs. And the majority of the Irish ones were written between 1810 and 1813. It's not clear whether Thompson or Beethoven decided the format of voice, sometimes several voices, and piano trio. That's piano, violin and cello. But whatever the case, undoubtedly, Beethoven captured a remarkably authentic Irish folk idiom in his accompaniments for much of the time, and very strikingly so in some of the songs. There was, as there so often was with Beethoven, trouble ahead. Some, by no means all, but some of the instrumental introductions, linking passages and especially conclusions turned out to be far more elaborate in the piano writing and therefore far more difficult for the intended amateur performers in their homes to play. And Beethoven wouldn't budge when Thompson asked him to simplify them. And so, financially, Beethoven brought George Thompson considerable losses when sales income was pitted against the composer's fees, not so many of the songs sold. Nevertheless, the commissioner continued to commission the composer, and their relationship lasted until 1820. After about 1816, Beethoven insisted that he was given texts to see before he continued. And so the position after that date became more normal, but the vast majority of the Irish folk tune settings were in fact written, as I said before, with no texts available. 
And, as I also said, it's not clear just how much, if at all, Thompson in each case gave Beethoven a general indication of the subject, or maybe possibly a title, either of the original song or of the new texts that he was commissioning. What he did give him was the original folk melody, and also, almost certainly, tempo indications. And in this programme, we're going to hear Beethoven's responses performed and also discussed by three outstanding artists. The soprano, Sophie Dainman, the mezzo-soprano, Natalie Perez, and she has recorded a large number of the settings for Warner Classics' complete Beethoven edition in this 250th anniversary year of the composer's birth. And the third artist is the tenor, Ian Bostridge. He's made a new Warner Classic CD of Beethoven's Lieder and also some folk songs, also for this Beethoven anniversary year. His accompanist is Sir Antonio Papano, and together with Wilde Frank and Nicholas Alstedt, they were the performers in the first music we heard at the start of this programme, as they are in three more songs coming up now, after Ian Bostridge tells us how much Beethoven's folk song settings have meant to him for a long time. I'd done some of these trios to folk songs with piano trio, and they're absolutely amazing. And he did so many of them, because... The publisher commissioned Haydn and he commissioned Beethoven to produce reams and reams and reams of these things, which were very popular. And he produced reams of them, but some of the accompaniments were really inspired. The Irish settings before 1813, and there were a lot of them, from 1810 to 1813, he just received the tunes, the, the old folk tunes from George Thompson, yeah. without any knowledge of the words, which seems almost inconceivable. It does. But it's interesting what you can do with a tune to change. Well, I mean, one of the songs is a very famous tune. And I knew that tune originally from the Britain folk song setting with the words Avenging and Bright, which is a sort of rebellious Irish song about resisting English domination. But in the Beethoven version, it's about Dear Dermot, and it's a girl's song. So I actually went back and used the, the Avenging and Bright words. But it's still you're still able to somehow use the Beethoven for different words, if you see what I mean. I've wafted these heroes to victory. 
tasted the harp shall be silent Shall I waste it till vengeance is wreaked on the murderer's hand? Avenging and bright. Originally a folk tune setting by Beethoven that took on new words for a text by William Smythe called Oh Who My Dear Dermot, but sung there by Ian Bostridge with the words of Thomas Moore's text for Avenging and Bright. Ian Bostridge reinforcing how Beethoven's Irish folk tune setting to a melody he was given without any words remarkably captures the spirit of Ireland so authentically that it works very effectively for a different text to the one that George Thompson commissioned from William Smythe after the music had been composed. Beethoven, in any case, did not speak English. But he was fascinated by history. He read voraciously, and it seems that he had a natural feeling for the flavour of Irish folk song even when he had no access to any words. So his setting of the tune that then took on words for a text that George Thompson commissioned from Sir Walter Scott that was entitled by Scott The Return to Ulster is powerfully atmospheric of one very strong side of the Irish folk character. One of the most wonderful ones, yeah. Very brooding and, yeah, haunting, yeah. The words that were added to that, of course, were Walter Scott, and they describe a hopeless longing, broken love. But I, I think, I don't know how musical Walter Scott was, but it seems to me, the whole thing's a bit like Alice Through the Looking Glass, this, isn't it? It seems to me that Walter Scott had taken his cue from Beethoven's music there mm -hmm. because it, it, you, you just mentioned how brooding it is and it does seem to have that element which we hear a lot of in Beethoven, don't we, of yearning and of, of, of tragedy from broken love or broken desire, maybe a better word than broken mm. love. Yeah, yeah. But once again, superimposed. Oh, mm -hmm. 
Turn to Ulster. Words by Sir Walter Scott that were added to Beethoven's setting for voice and piano trio of an Irish folk tune. And in the greatest contrast, here in the next song is an expression of the daring and courageous side of the Irish character. 
words by Sir Alexander Boswell that were added after Beethoven's music had been written, the text he called The Pulse of an Irishman. And it is possible in this instance that Beethoven was given by George Thompson some kind of an idea of what the text was going to be about. Almost a sort of slight parody version, maybe. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but it's a jolly song, yeah. Patriotic. Yes, yeah, yeah. Really? Irishman ever beats quicker when war is a story or love is a theme and place him where bullets fly thicker and thicker you'll find him more cowardice guarding and though the war should maim poor Darby fight at the heart he rallies on fortune is cruel but not a mind jewel is kind and with smiling or sorrow beguiling albeit from our cabin or care to be done and how they will dig it and talk it and speak it on Patrick's day in the morning By the land in the wide western waters, sweet air in the air in the pride of my soul. Supreme be the suns and still fair be the daughters I meet on my mountains at dawn. And though the eastern sun seems tardy, though the pure light of knowledge slow, bright and delusion and darkly confusion, light mists from the river shall vanish forever. And true Irish hearts with warm loyalty glow, and proud exultation burst forth from the nation on Patrick's day in the morning. Beethoven at his most impish. That was The Pulse of an Irishman. Words by Alexander Boswell. And possibly in this instance, researchers think that Beethoven might have at least known what the subject was about, or was going to be about, when he adapted an Irish folk song that became that piece. Ian Bostridge was accompanied by Sir Antonio Papano playing the piano, Wilder Frang playing the violin, and Nicholas Alstedt playing the cello. And I'm sure that George Thompson would have been tearing his hair out about the demands that Beethoven made for the instrumentalists in his almost concerto-like ending there. Not what amateur musicians in the drawing room would expect to have in front of them. But Beethoven didn't always write elaborate accompaniments in the folk songs. In some cases, such as the song coming up next, maybe because the melody that he had been given had a simple purity that he wanted to capture in his arrangement, he could also come up with something like this. Off to Good Lane with many a tear and many a 
I think very authentically traditional there. A Wandering Gypsy, Sirs Am I, is the title that the poet John Walcott gave to the text he wrote for Beethoven's setting of an Irish folk tune. It does sound to me as though Beethoven had some kind of historical awareness of the traditional Irish musical language in that case, and an awareness or maybe even a familiarity with a folk song style that had been existent in Ireland for a long time, during which quite a number of different versions of one folk song would be cropping up over the years. The mezzo-soprano Natalie Perez, who was singing that folk song, takes up the story for us now. I think that folk songs in general, there were tunes that were very famous, but then in different areas of the country you would have different words on them, which means that at some point someone would have written new words on a melody because the melody would have travelled but not the words, or the words wouldn't have been as attractive to a region than another one. And in a way that means that however strange the situation is, in a way it's perfect because folk songs had this tradition and actually, in the folk songs of the Beethoven edition, you, you can really sense the songs that definitely come from a long time ago. Some of them uh, feel Baroque. Other ones, I can remember having different moments when we did different songs, and some felt very late in uh, music history, more romantic. Some, some are very much like Mozart. Some are very classical in feeling, and some are very Baroque. So you can tell that a lot of those tunes had been transmitted over a long period of time. Sit down. 
wrote the words for that Irish folk song arrangement by Beethoven in around 1812 or 1813. And as Natalie Perez, singing it there in a duo with Juliet Allen, said before, Beethoven could almost create an ancient Baroque feeling sometimes, even if he couldn't resist putting in a few of his own unmistakable characteristics in the instrumental linking passages and notably the inventive harmony and surprise modulations at the end. But then, what about those subjects in the Irish folk collection that are very intense, such as the return to Ulster that we heard before, and, coming up next, on the massacre of Glencoe? Words by Sir Walter Scott about the Scottish event that became part of Irish folklore at the time. Did Beethoven just possibly know, in this case, the rough gist of the subject, or even just possibly the proposed title? Or did he just sense deep tragedy in the melody of the song that George Thompson had given to him? It's a very famous text, and it is also set in the Scottish songs, but it appears in the Irish songs, so we had a talk about this and we decided to keep the Irish accent for this one, because it was actually a famous one in Ireland as well, and they would have sung it that way. What's very interesting here is he received the outline of the melody and he composed something that is a very melodic elegy. It's a, it's a lament. Listening to it, one imagines, or at least I imagine, that Beethoven had seen those words. It's incredibly, to my mind, appropriate for that it's particular... It's incredibly appropriate. That terrible, you know, horrible text, of course. When it's, I say horrible, I mean, you know, it's, frightening. It's a, it's, a, it's a very intense one in any case. And it ends up... It's amazing how many times in these 63 songs the, um, the text and the music work perfectly together. Yes. It's amazing how, how much it does. Most of those songs work out perfectly. Thank you. 
Massacre of Glencoe. And next, in the greatest contrast, Beethoven's setting of another folk song seemed to suggest to the poet William Robert Spencer a celebration of the lasting, stabilizing domesticity of wife, children, and friends. In a landmark recording of Beethoven's folk song arrangements made nearly 20 years ago was the soprano Sophie Daneman. His affinity with people, I really believe that that is what makes these pieces so interesting. I personally don't find Beethoven ever to be particularly sophisticated. His qualities are much more earthy and much more down-to-earth. And I think he will have listened to a tune that he will have known will have been sung by groups of real people and his desire to sort of elevate that but not too far there's something about this music that's so in such a specific place i think that's why people like it because it has a very strong effect on audiences and although it was quite a sort of niche record when we made it i've been amazed to hear how successful it has been actually and and i think that's because there isn't really anything else like it because it takes the human simplicity and it elevates it, but not too far. It doesn't turn it into something of high art, but it transforms it into something on a slightly bigger, grander scale, which is really, really unlike almost anything else. Slipped in the 
we made this recording it was the first concert I did very very soon after my father had died and I wasn't sure at all if I was actually going to be able to do it but I think honestly if it had been any other music I probably would have said no but there was something about this music that was I must say of great comfort to me and the humanity of it really actually rather helped me at that point. And every time I listen to it, if it comes up on the radio or if I'm working on it again, it brings back that time, but in a feeling of being sort of looked after me in some way, the music. So I think that humanity really meant something even more personal to me. <laughs> Sophie Daneman and before, together with Paul Agnew, were performing Wife, Children and Friends. Even if Beethoven had no idea of what the subject and words would be of the folk tune he was setting, those consoling and healing qualities in that song that Sophie Daneman was speaking about were such vitally central elements in so much of his music. And the poet William Robert Spencer had picked them up when he wrote his text to Beethoven's adaptation of the folk tune that George Thompson had sent to him. All through his Irish folk song settings, the musical characterization just on its own, without any textual illusion, was so strong that the poets immediately responded in the character of what they wrote for George Thompson, including some words to some very zany musical settings by Beethoven. His sense of humour is not particularly sophisticated, even one could say a little bit heavy-handed sometimes, but... 
in the case of the sort of funnier songs, again, assuming that he didn't have the text, but you get the feeling from the music straight away that they're witty songs, I think that kind of wit suits him very well. That kind of jokiness of the people rather than some kind of high art, sophisticated wit is not his thing. And that is vividly strong in one of the zaniest of all Beethoven's musical settings. In Paddy Rafferty, his quirky, cheeky humour in the introduction and in the vocal line all the way through inspired Anthony Boswell to write a text that he called Paddy Rafferty. Paddy Rafferty, merry and vigorous, laughed at his lot, though t'was sometimes too rigorous. Paddy Rafferty is a character who, in any case, features in an Irish jig, but he's portrayed here far more elaborately. Paddy or Rafferty? That's a very difficult one. And the way he wrote the introduction is very surprising and it really gives a tone. And I'm not saying that it would have been completely different otherwise, but it gives a very distinct energy to the text. And this is definitely one where the range was very strange. But this is the most intriguing of all the songs to me, Paddy Rafferty, and the very fact that that text was chosen by George Thompson to have Alexander Boswell write that text. Because here, the music at the beginning, this is the cheeky Beethoven, isn't it? Yes, this is the Beethoven of audacity. Lots of them. Yes, but particularly that He had one. a lot of fun, I think, writing those. And for all the earthiness of the humour in Beethoven's music that inspired Anthony Boswell to write the text, the highly witty accompaniment did have the kind of elaborate instrumental writing that made George Thompson complain that sometimes Beethoven was in fact being too artistically ambitious for the kind of sales market that Thompson had envisaged. 
and indeed he was proved right. But then, as we have already heard, some of the arrangements were hauntingly evocative in their simplicity. And that is very remarkably the case in some songs where Beethoven was surely suggesting in his introductory accompaniment the sound of the ancient Irish harp. So that, not surprisingly, a harp followed in the title and the subject when words were added, such as with William Smythe's text, Oh, Soothe Me, My Lyre. There are a few of the Irish ones about the harp, about the Aeolian harp, and I find it impossible to imagine that he didn't have that in his mind when he wrote them. At least the image of that, that's impossible to think that he conjured that up out of nowhere. They're particularly beautiful, those ones. Oh, soothe me, my liar. It's amazing how the music works with the text. Um, I find this one very, very moving. It has this kind of older feel and very simple. And this is one where I had to find color to, to suit the, the text and the music, which was very light and very, very... It's a, it's a dying young lady, so you, you can't sing with full... I mean, none of them you can sing with full voice, really. They're folk songs. It's not opera. And uh, because of the difficult range, the, the writing um, meant that I had to stay on a certain place in my voice to be able to navigate those, those different tessitures. But in this one, it's amazing how he had this idea to do this very light pizzicato music. Oh, to be loved, then untimely 
Soothe Me, My Lyre, an arrangement by Beethoven of an Irish folk song tune that George Thompson had sent to him. Could he maybe have been told by Thompson that the text that was to be added on later was about a harp? Or did the melody just suggest the harp to him? Whatever the case, with such a vividly evocative suggestion of an authentic Irish harp in the music, as Sophie Daneman said before, it's almost impossible to believe that he did not have a harp in mind when he made his setting. Like the other artists, Ian Bostridge and Natalie Perez, who have been also singing and discussing the music in this programme of Beethoven's Irish folk songs arrangements as part of our Beethoven 250th anniversary celebrations here on Lyric FM. In each and every one of the settings that she has performed, Sophie Daneman has derived a very special inspiration from the inventiveness, the originality and also the deep involvement that Beethoven felt with the Irish heritage in his huge task of providing 63 new adaptations of traditional Irish folk tunes for his commissioner, George Thompson. I'm working on it. As you get to know it, you start to understand what the beauty of it is and the humanity behind it and the care that's been taken over it because there really has been care extreme care and love you feel it very strongly and this sense of nostalgia and this sense of humanity really starts to come out and especially when you perform them especially performing them i found that that the atmosphere in the room would become this sort of glow and warmth and feeling of community spreads that you have being in this little group spreads out into the audience and you feel the audience that feeling that they could be singing with you if they wanted to but at this particular moment it's you who's singing it for them but you know on another instance we might all sit around and sing it all together that quality of the folk song isn't taken away by any means by turning it into a piece of chamber music
Beethoven's Irish Songs was presented and produced by John Tolansky and is available to podcast from the RTE Lyric FM website and the RTE Radio Player, as well as other well-known podcast platforms. As always, we welcome your comments by email features.lyricfm at rte.ie.